Good week, good stuff. Good week, bad week. It, well, I'm sorry. I can't, I can't help you with that, but um, Taco Bell's coming, I'm sure, for everybody. I usually, um, I usually stop at Taco Bell on my way home about, I usually get home about 11.30ish, so I stop by Taco Bell. I never stop at the one on Montgomery and Tramway. That's a bad one. Yeah, so, so the one I found that works pretty good is the one on um, Eubank and, and Montgomery. That's a little better. Yeah, so, so don't, don't go to that other one because that one scares me. So if any of you know who owns that one, please tell them that that's not good. Anywho, not that they would listen to us, but if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Isaiah tonight, okay? Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to be in Isaiah chapter 53, and I've always liked um, Isaiah 53. It's always a really cool portion of Scripture because it's one of those prophecy sections of Scripture that talk about Jesus. I love that. I love how like Isaiah was like chilling like hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and God was like, hey, Isaiah, this is what Jesus is going to be like, and this is what's going to happen to him. And Isaiah was like, cool, this is great. All right, good. I'll write this down. And, 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 and that way a youth pastor like thousands of years from now can talk about it. Because Isaiah was very, very, you know, he thought ahead, which is really good. But Isaiah 53, and this is about Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. He's prophesying about the Messiah, who the Messiah is, Jesus. And he's talking about Jesus. And, and we know Jesus is cool. We know he's awesome. We know he's strong. We know he's powerful. And so we're going to read a portion of scripture that talks about how wonderful Jesus is, how great he is, and how wonderful. Everybody's going to love Jesus to death. Let's read. Ready? Here we go. Isaiah 53. It says, it says then, starting with verse number two, it says, the servant grew up before God. That's Jesus. A scrawny seedling. A scrubby, scrubbly, scrubby, <laughs> scrubby plant in a parched field. Okay, it'll get better. I'm sure he's talking about Jesus. Jesus, yeah. Okay, hold on. That, next, next. There was nothing attractive about him. Nothing to cause us to take a second look. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. Now, wait a minute. This is talking about Jesus, but do you know who the we is? Us. This is not talking about, don't, don't get into your super spiritual high horse thinking, oh, well, Isaiah is talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the people of the, of the New Testament. He's not talking about me, super duper Christian here. No. He's talking about us. Don't, don't get to that point where you look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and think, oh, well, if I was living in the time of Jesus, I, of course, would have been probably, you know, one of the disciples. No, you probably wouldn't have been. Not that that's a knock on you or me, but there was only 12 of them. And there was a lot more of the other guys, so you never know. But who knows? Some of the girls, I don't think you would have made the cut. I'm sorry. I wasn't looking at you, Alex. You just happened to be there, my friend. Somebody's a little touchy tonight. You know. Ladies, it's not because you're not wonderful. It's just the time, okay? So, so please don't, don't think I'm a chauvinist pig or something like that. Okay. But the fact is, now check this out. This is where it begins to get interesting. 
This is where it begins to start looking at things and going, oh my goodness, this is interesting. But the fact is, it was our pain he carried. Our disfigurements. All the things wrong with us. We thought he brought it on himself that God was punishing him for his own failures. But it was our sin that did that to him. That ripped and tore and crushed him. Our sin. He took the punishment that we and made that made us whole. Through his bruises, we got healed. We were all like sheep who wandered off and gotten lost. We'd all done our own things, gone our own way, and God had piled all our sins, everything we've done wrong, on him. And I read that. And I began to, I, 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 maybe, maybe some of you have heard this, this excuse when, when, it, when it's come to Jesus and who Jesus was and what Jesus did. How many of you have heard this excuse? The, the comment was, was, I would never serve a God who would allow himself to be killed by people. You ever heard that? I have. Because that to them signified weakness. That was not a God to them. A God is talks in a deep, low voice and has thunder and lightning and strikes down people. A God does not come to earth and allows himself to be crucified and killed. And more than that, to be ridiculed, to be looked at. Do you understand what Jesus allowed to have happen to him? This scriptures talk about it. And then Isaiah, that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about that, and then we're going to go into something else that kind of ducktails it. But, but do you understand what Jesus allowed himself to be for us? What he allowed, how we saw him when he came? Because Isaiah is telling what is going to happen, what Jesus is going to experience, what Jesus allowed himself to become for us. First thing, he allowed himself, he became worthless he became worthless in isaiah here in the it, it, it says that he says there was there was nothing attractive about him nothing to cause it, there was nothing great about jesus he became worthless in the new testament and i'm not going to go through the, the scriptures um a specific place and if you need that i'll give it to you okay but just for, for sake of time do you know that when Jesus was introduced to some of his disciples, do you know what their response was? They said, dude, check this out. We found the Messiah. His name is Jesus, and he's from Nazareth. And you know what their reaction was? Nothing good comes from Nazareth. I mean, you kidding me? I mean, think about that. You have a place in your mind, whether you like it or not, probably someplace in Albuquerque, where you go, ew. Ew. That's not a good place. Ew. There's a place that you look at and go, and you would almost say the same thing. Nothing good comes out of there. Nothing good comes out of that place. He allowed himself to become made worthless in the eyes of men. You understand? Worthless. Worthless. He allowed himself to be made worthless. The person who is worth more than any human being by 10 billion who has ever lived on this earth became worthless in the eyes of us. To where people would even look at him and say, 
dude, I don't even have to know him. I know where he's from. And if he's from there, he's worthless. But he allowed himself to become that. He allowed himself to look like that in our eyes. Second thing, he became rejected. He allowed himself to be rejected. And, and you know what we think about? The first thing we think about, oh, you know, the people rejected him. The, the you know, crucify him, crucify him. People rejected him. But do you know that it's, it's even different than that? His own family, his brothers and sisters, check this out, wanted to put him in basically a Hussein asylum. They thought he was nuts. His own family. Now look, some stranger walks in across from the street and looks at me and goes, Aaron, you're nuts. I'm going to go, thank you. See ya. I'm not going to care. But if my family came up to me and said, um, yeah, Aaron, we need to put you in a padded room with one of those nice pretty jackets, you know, that, yeah, they're real nice. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they are. Yeah, you're scaring me. Okay. That would hurt. Jesus allowed himself to become rejected by his own family. His own family. You say, well, well, he couldn't control. Oh, yes, he could. He could have controlled it. Let me tell you how. This has been real easy. Okay, let's see. My family thinks I'm nuts. I think that, that I am the son of God, and my family thinks I'm nuts for thinking I'm the son of God. Let me see. Um... Uh, brother, yeah, yeah, brother, come here. I, I, I'm Jesus, and this is my brother. Yeah, and, and he thinks I'm crazy. He thinks I'm nuts for, for thinking I'm, I'm the son of God. So here's what we're going to do. Um, this brother right here, he, he's my brother. I love him very much. Why? This is going to be great. He's a worm! <laughs> this is brother. Hi. He could have done that. That would have proved very quickly that Jesus was not nuts. He would have had what takes to back it up, and he still did things to back it up. And we see later on that, that thank goodness, you know, his family does kind of come around and realize who he is. But, you know, he allowed himself to become rejected, not only by people that, that, that were kind of far away from him, but people that were close to him. People that he loved. And not that he didn't love those other people, but, you know, people that were his family. He became rejected in that. And I got to believe that hurt really bad. I remember when I was in high school, I had a friend of mine, and his name was Will. And Will was a good old guy, and I enjoyed being friends with Will, and he uh, graduated a year before I did, and he was older than I was. And one year um, for the musical, they were doing a musical in school. You know, you guys still do musicals and stuff like that. And they were doing Grease. Yeah, yeah. How many of you have seen the show, um, You're the One That I Want, that show? You ever seen that? Where they, they're trying to pick the, the Danny and girl, the girl, what's her name? Yeah, yeah. So, so it was, we were doing Grease. And, and I was younger, and so Will was in Grease. And, and Will was, you know, I don't know why in 50s type shows or musicals, there always has to be the nerd. But they're just, it's like a rule. It's like an unwritten rule. You know, you have to have a nerd in one of those musicals. And so Will happened to be the nerd that all the cool T-birds or whatever their name was would pick on. And that was Will. 
And Will did a great job, man. He had the suspenders and the glasses and the socks pulled up and his shorts. And, and, and it, he was great. He did a great job. But I remember one thing that our teacher would do, the drama teacher would do. Her name was Mrs. Wagner. And she would do something where she would, it was very, very special. She would hand out candles. And then we would have something before every show called, uh, uh, what was it called? Uh, break a leg or, or, or something like that. And what we would do is we'd all have these candles. And she would have her candle. And, you know, it was, she's a drama teacher, you know, so everything was like, you know, big production. And we would all sit in a circle in the dark. And she would have her candle lit. And she would go over to so-and-so, you know, and she was all, you know, she wore a lot of makeup and she scared me. Um, she, you know, she would walk up to somebody. And uh, she, she'd have a real quiet voice. You know, normally she was real loud and boisterous. And she'd come up to Jeff Meeker, for example. And Jeff Meeker would have his candle. Because everybody at this point would bring their own candle. And, and she'd go up and she'd say, she said, Jeff, I just know that you're going to have just the performance of your life. <laughs> and it's going to be beautiful. And it's going to be wonderful. And, oh, yeah. And she would light Jeff's candle. And then Jeff would go light somebody. It took about four days to get everybody's candle lit. But she would hand out candles after every practice. And if you weren't good enough to get a candle, basically you brought your own for candle lighting, basically. And she would hand out candles. And she started hand, oh, you know, I'm going to hand out this one to this person. And, and, and you know, the week started to pass, and Will didn't, have a, Will didn't have a candle. And Will just kept going. And, you, know, I, you know, Will's like, dude, I didn't. I haven't got a candle yet. I said, don't worry, dude. You're doing awesome. You're doing great. You're going to get a candle. Finally, it came to the day before the performance. And she came up, and she gave out all the candles. She said, this is the last candle I'm going to give out. And gave everybody a candle but Will. And Will came up to me. He said, Aaron, he said, I'm the only person that has a speaking part that didn't get a candle from Mrs. Wagner. And I can't, I can't express to you the pain. I mean, he, he was not, I mean, Will was a swimmer. Will was talented. Will played the French horn. Will had a lot. Of, Will was brilliant. He, he's, he's living in Kansas City last time I heard. Um, went, to, went to TCU, got a degree in, I think, um, accounting. And, and he is just sharp as a tack. And, man, that, that pierced him. And he was angry, and he was hurt, and he felt rejected. And I never forgot that because it was like God said, you know, I went through something similar to that when I came here. When, when, when I don't, when, when myself personally, when I don't do, and, and when I reject Jesus all over again, I think that's, that's the picture I see in my mind. I see Will because I, I remember the hurt he had and the pain that he had from that. And I was like, dude, I was mad, you know, I was like, you know. I'm a weird individual. It's like you can spit in my face, but you don't mess with people I care about, you know? Like, you know, somebody could come up to me and just, you know, spit in my face, rub my face in mud, and I'll be like, yeah, whatever, you know. But, you know, you don't look at people crossways that I love without a fire on your hands. I mean, I'll, I'll go toe-to-toe with anybody because it's just, I don't know why. It's just you don't mess with people that I love. And, and she, I felt like, man, she messed with Will, and Will's my buddy, and I was and so. And so what I did was, was me and a couple of my friends, we went out and we bought Will a candle. And we came up and, we, and it was before the candle lighting came up, you know. And Will was still upset. I mean, he was upset. 
And this was a day after all this had happened. And we said, Will, can we talk to you for a second? We pulled Will aside. And we said, Will, we want you to know how proud we are of you, how awesome that you're doing, and that you are just the, he kind of laughed at this, he said, you are the best nerd we have ever seen. <laughs> and I said, I said and, and, and I looked at him and I said, <laughs> I said, Will, Mrs. Wagner doesn't have a clue. And we love you and we care about you and you're going to do absolutely phenomenal tonight. And so you don't need her candle. You don't need her acceptance because you have ours. And I held out a candle. I mean, you would have thought I handed him a million dollars. He smiled so big, put his arms around us three guys that had gotten it for him. And, and it was just the coolest thing in the world. But Jesus allowed himself to be rejected. Now, why? What? You know, it's like that's, as, as I went through this, as I'm looking at this, the question just kept coming in my mind. Why? 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 We're going to answer that in just a second. Last thing that Jesus allowed. He allowed himself to become despised, hated. The Pharisees hated him. They, they, they couldn't stand him. I mean, look, you might not like somebody, but I seriously doubt, and I seriously hope, no one in this room has planned someone else's death. If you have, we need to talk. Bad, okay? But they hated him so much. They're like, how can we kill him? The Bible talks about that a lot, where they said that in John, it says, from that moment on, they were trying to figure out a way to kill him. I mean, that's despised. That's hate. That is going, I can't stand this person. I want them dead. Whoa. Let that sink in. I mean, I don't know about you, but for me, I don't like it when somebody doesn't like me. It bothers me. You know, if I find out, you know, hey, so-and-so really just doesn't like you, it's like, Okay, you know, that's cool, whatever, you know, it's, it's all good, you know, and I like go away going, what did I do, you know, I'm a likable guy, you know, I mean, my breath smell, what happened, you know, you're trying to figure it out. But Jesus allowed to, these people just to, to hate him. The thing is, it blows me out of the water, is some of the same people that when Jesus came riding in to Jerusalem on the donkey that were yelling Hosanna were the same people a week later that were yelling crucify him. Can you imagine that for a second? I mean, you want to talk about the pain of being stabbed in the back. I mean, here's this individual. Let's say, let's say Chris Barr walks up to me, puts his arm around me and says, dude, I love you. Man, I, I think you're just awesome. And I'm like, oh, man, thanks, Chris. You're awesome, too, man. This is great. And then like two days later, Chris was like, and I heard him going, dude, I hate that guy. I want him dead. I hate him so much. Let that happen. What was the point of all this? I mean, couldn't he have come and died and 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 been oh, and that and rose and gone home? Why do you have to? Why why did all this stuff have to happen? Why did he have to do it? It's interesting that in Isaiah it says it says about him. It says it says that he was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand.
Jesus understands what it is to hurt and have deep hurt because here's the people that he's coming to die for. And they don't care. And they hate him. And they think he's nuts. And they think he's crazy. And these are the very people that he's coming to save. Why? Why would Jesus allow this to happen? Why why, like I said, why couldn't he have just come and lived and died and rose and gone home? Why? So we begin to read farther in in our text. Listen, listen to us what it says. Is like a lamb taken to be slaughtered, and like a sheep being sheared, he took it all in silence. He did all these things for us. Remember in our text? Remember what it said? It says, But the fact is, it was our pains he carried. The things that made Jesus so ugly to us had nothing to do with Jesus, had everything to do with us. Our disfigurement, all the things that were wrong with us. So the question is, why? Why did Jesus allow himself to become worthless, to become rejected, and to become despised? Here's the answer. Here's the answer that I believe God spoke so clearly to my heart as I was sitting there saying, God, why? Jesus, why? Here's the answer. He allowed himself to become worthless so that we would become priceless. He allowed himself to become rejected so that we would become accepted. And he allowed himself to become despised so that we could become loved. He allowed himself to become all those things so that we could become all the other things that he really is. Do you ever think about that? You know, we talk about it, you know, Jesus came and he took on our sins. You know what Jesus gave us as he took on our sins? His righteousness. When he came and he died. He didn't have to do that. There was no rule that said, I have to do this, 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 and this in this way and I have to turn on all these things to become. No. He chose to become all those things so that we would become the opposite of them. He chose to become worthless so that in God's eyes, we would become absolutely priceless. 
Because here's the thing, whether you know it or not, that's how God sees you. And he sees you that way because Jesus was willing to do. Jesus was willing to go through. What Jesus was willing to experience. Kind of puts it in a different perspective, doesn't it? I mean, it's one thing to be loved, Rochelle. It's another thing to know that someone else became hated so that you could become loved. Emily and I were watching The Cosby Show a couple nights ago. Yeah, it's a great show. Bill Cosby cracks me up still. We used to always watch The Cosby Show Thursdays at 7 when I was growing up. And it's always weird to be like, you know, after the end, you know, it shows the date, you know, like 1989. And I'm like, I was in sixth grade, you know. It's weird. Some of you were not even born yet. I'm old. Okay. Um, we were watching, we're watching the episode where, um, I, don't, I don't, I like the ones where, where they're a little younger, you know. Like the one with the little, the girl that's Raven now. I'm not, those aren't my favorite, you know, but she was in those episodes. And so it's one where, where Martin and Denise are married, remember? And he's in the Navy. And Martin and Denise are going to go, and they're going to move out. And Cliff is, like, excited. It's like, he's, you know, the whole show is about him getting his children out of the house, you know. And that never happens. They always keep coming back, like, whooping cough, you know, or whatever. Anyway, and... They're very excited because they're going to move to a, a, a Navy base, and they have, they have housing there. And Denise forgot to call and confirm the housing. So they get there, you know, and they're like, yeah, we're ready for our housing. And the guy's like, dude, we don't got no housing for you. So you were supposed to call and, and reserve this and confirm it, say you wanted it, and no one did. And so they got to go all the way back. To Cliff. And, and Martin even says, I have to tell that man that I can't, you know, we have no place to live for another six months until they can get housing. And he's all just, oh, I can't believe you didn't do this. I can't believe you, you know, they're, they're having this big kind of discussion on the way home. And then something really cool happened. They get home. He walks in, and he has every right to just bury Denise. She didn't do it. She's a bad wife and all this sort of stuff. You know what he did? He said, Mr. Huxtable, when I was, and he was supposedly, the reason why they didn't get it was because she was here and he was on a boat someplace. He said, he said I, and this is Martin saying, he said, Mr. Huxtable, I got the letter about housing and it said that I, you were supposed to call and confirm that you wanted the housing. And he said, Mr. Huxtable, I forgot to call and confirm it. I'm sorry. He took the blame. He didn't have to. He had every right to say, Mr. Huxtable, your daughter didn't do what she was supposed to do. It was so simple. All she had to do was pick up the phone, dial the number, and say, yes, we want the house. But she didn't do it. I went to bed that night, and I was thinking about that as I was kind of praying and, and kind of doing my devotion time, reading my Bible and writing in my journal a little bit. And it dawned on me, that's what Jesus did. In front of God the Father, 
He had every right to bring us before God the Father and say, they're sinners, they did this, they did that, they hate you, they hate your commandments, bury them. And Jesus basically came up and he said, you know, I'll take the blame. If you're mad at somebody, don't be mad at them, be mad at me. Give it all on me, put it all on me. Because I love my children so much. And it's interesting, the Bible talks about how Jesus is the, is the it, like we are the bride and Jesus is the bridegroom. Jesus had every right to just look at us, to God the Father, and say, they're worthless. And instead, he looked at God the Father and said, oh no, they're priceless. He had every reason to look at, the, at God the Father and say, we should reject them for what they've done. And he didn't. He looked at God the Father and said, let's accept them because of how wonderful they are. He had every right to look and say they should be despised and put out and, and, and hated. And instead, he looked at God the Father and said, let's love them. I love them so much. Wow. How amazing our Jesus is. How great our Father is. That he would love us so much that he would care about us so much that he would even take the blame for the things that we've done for the mistakes that we've made and this isn't a situation where we should look at ourselves and kick our own rear in somehow and say boy if I would just do better and, and then Jesus wouldn't have to do that no it's a situation where we just accept the love of Jesus we don't deserve it, so stop trying to deserve it. It's good to try to do better, but you know what? We'll never be perfect. We just need to accept the love that Jesus has, that he showers on us, and that he gives us. Because he took all that on when we deserve to take it. Makes you think, doesn't it? It's one thing just to say, okay, I'm going to come and die for, for my sins and then go home. It's another thing to be innocent and be willing to lay your life down for you and for me. Amazing. So here's what we're going to do. John, if you just go up to the, your guitar and just play something real softly. And just for the sake of being able to um, not have any distractions, I'm going to ask you just close your eyes. You know, it's nothing super spiritual about your eyes being open or closed. It's just trying to keep you guys a little more focused. And here's all we're going to do. John is going to just play a little bit, something quietly. And I just want us to meditate on what the Lord is trying to communicate to us. I want us to just think, and, and, and for some of you, maybe you just need to just say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you so much for loving me that much. Some of you just need to just, just, just love on Jesus a little while longer. You just, you just need to express your love to him. Some of you need to really think about what's been talked about tonight and really let that sink into your heart. What Jesus did has nothing 
there, there really isn't anything intellectual about it. it it's, it's a love story. And one thing I've learned, whether I've watched a, a, a girl movie with Emily or, 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 or seen things in my own life, love stories don't always make sense. We can't always figure them out logically. And I'll tell you one thing. The fact that Jesus loves us and loves us so much doesn't make sense to me. What makes sense to me is me getting my rear end kicked for all the dumb things that I do. It doesn't make sense to me that Jesus says, I'll forgive all those things if you just ask because I love you so much. So I want us just to focus in on that for a little while. Focus in on the love that Jesus has for us, that he showers on us every day, that he allows himself, he allowed himself to become despised among men for you. People hated him. People couldn't stand him to the point that they nailed him to a piece of wood because he loved you so much. Because he thought you were so special and so wonderful. Because he looked at you and he said, you are my beloved. Jesus says, and the Bible talks about how there is no greater love than the love that someone would have to lay down their life for a friend. Jesus did that because he loves you so much. Some of you have heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. Jesus loves you so much, He could not stand the thought of having eternity without you. Eternity now and eternity later. When I prayed about what I wanted to have happen tonight, my prayer was that when you left this place, you would, that, you, that, that, that you would just be so full of Jesus' love. That no matter what happened this week, no matter what happened this month, wouldn't matter compared to the fact that Jesus loves you so stinking much that he gave everything for you. What's amazing, he would do it all over again if he had to. Some people have said that when Jesus died, when Jesus gave his life, you were on his mind. He was thinking of you. And he wasn't thinking, oh, I can't believe that Casey keeps sinning and he's making me do this. He wasn't thinking, oh, I can't believe that Alex is, is, is sinning so much. He was thinking, I love them so much. I would give everything I am to be with them. To remove this barrier that sin has created. So let's just do that. Let's just spend some time and let's just think about, meditate, pray about how much Jesus just thinking loves 
every individual in this place with a love that we can't even understand because of how amazing it is.